heart, soul, mind, and strength. These are the four dimensions of human health. This is where growth happens, and it's addicting. Welcome to the Growth Junkies Podcast. Well, hello there, Growth Junkies, and welcome to the Growth Junkies Podcast. My name is Kent Del Husay. I am one of the co-hosts. The other half is a guy named Ben Boast. That's me. Ben's here, and we are going to talk about something today that is somewhat timely. We have actually, we made an effort on this episode to uh, talk about this virus sort of thing that's going around. There's some <laughs> word out there about a virus, Ben, yes. that's been sweeping the world. The coronavirus. The corona, otherwise known as COVID-19. Yes. Which um, is a big deal. You know, I think everyone listening knows it's a big deal. And by now, we're all hunkered down trying to, quote, unquote, flatten the curve. Except for you and I. We're in studio. We are quarantined in studio. Which we are means, six feet apart. Yes. And we're maintaining social distancing right now. <laughs> Except for when we drive in the car together. Right. But I sneeze into the crook of my arm. So that's <laughs> that's the rule. So we we want to talk about this because it's very timely. We're all facing it right now and um, talk about the underlying issues. Talk about uh, some of the questions that people are asking right now. One of the things we value here on the Growth Junkies podcast is uh, being willing to ask the questions people might be afraid to ask themselves. So we're going to ask some hard questions and we're going to do our very best to wrestle with them. And uh, we by no means are claiming to be experts. Uh, you know, Ben and I um, have some working knowledge of the things that are happening uh, with our own training experiences, but we are not medical professionals. Right. We are not therapists. We uh, want to put that out up front and say that our goal is not to try to speak to things we don't understand, but at the same time, it doesn't prevent us from asking the questions. Yeah, and there's things that uh, come to the surface in this discussion that are important for us to talk about. There's a, a lot of questions that show up. There's a lot of things that we're wanting to discuss and obviously things people are feeling. And we want to give time and effort to a place to discuss that. Yeah, this is the place to do that. Yeah, to explore it. And and there are times where we might be lighthearted about it or things like that. By no means are we trying to devalue what's going on right now with coronavirus and happening in our society and culture and what's happening with people and how they've been impacted uh, or devaluing, you know, folks who may have had a loved one mm -hmm. pass away from this. Mm -hmm. uh, this is not like anything we've ever seen really in in our lives, Kent. Mm -hmm. uh, the closest thing might be 9-11 that had a, a similar type of impact on the way people are thinking and experiencing life and uh, the concerns for what's happening in the future mm -hmm. or what might happen in the future. Because there's a lot of questions around that that uh, I'm sure if you sit long enough and think about it, you start exploring the, the what ifs, what might happen as a result of this in the coming days because of everything that's shut down. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would tell you that I personally, even still sitting here, and I'll just be honest about this, I don't get it. Like, and I know that might offend somebody or sound really weird, but when you look at the numbers, and I, I know it's a very contagious virus, and it's spreading like crazy, and it happens very quickly, and things like that, but when you look at the numbers compared to the flu itself, 
it has not actually, from from based on what we see, um, not as many people have died from this as they would just a regular flu. Yeah, so Ben and I, just so you know today, we're switching places. Normally, I'm the cynic. <laughs> you know, normally I'm the skeptic and the one who says, I don't know if I'm just being negative here. But So so part of it is that Ben and I uh, kind of take polarized positions sometimes, and, and we want to do that. And I, I told Ben he needed to share that. Like when we... Before we came on here and recorded this episode, I said, Ben, you need to be honest with with people listening because probably you're not the only one. There's probably a lot of people out there who are saying, I don't get it. I mean, it, I, 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 you know, part of me, you know, facetiously, Ben would say, well, I'm sorry you don't get it, Ben. Not everybody can be as smart as, you know, some of us. <laughs> <laughs> so I apologize. But the, the reality is, I think a lot of us have have thought that. And so here's the here's the concern, Ben, to frame what you're asking. Mm-hmm. I think we all feel a tension and the tension is either and maybe some of this is personality based. Some of this mm-hmm. is sort of maybe convictional. Some of it might be um, where we stand theologically, you know, on our view of the world. Sure. But I think for a lot of people they don't want to um, overreact, but they also don't want to underreact. Yeah. And I think nobody really knows where this is going, you know, ultimately. So there there is this sort of understanding that there is this overreaction occurring in the culture. And yeah. here's the thing. I've heard people even on TV and all the experts say they admit this is an overreaction. Mm-hmm. Like they say, we are totally, you know, blowing the roof off here and we are putting in all kinds of protocols. We are quarantining. We are hunkering down. We're shutting things down. I, I mean, every day I'm getting emails from companies telling me what they're doing. They're shutting their operations down. People are working from home. Like you can't go to restaurants, you can't go to, you know, like all the ski resorts I just heard have shut down. And some of those emails are super humorous, by the way. Like I I have heard stories of friends sharing emails with other friends from companies that they're getting a COVID-19 update Mm -hmm. from, like Yankee Candles. Or like, why are they sending out an update (laughs) about COVID-19? Like... Now, if it's a restaurant, that makes sense or a place right. where people gather. But it's right. like everybody see seems like it seems like everybody needs to weigh in on this. Well, they do. They want in on it. <laughs> they want in on it. But also it's, it's positive exposure for them because they want to be perceived as caring. Let us give you our update on coronavirus. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, and so I think that there's there's sort of a um, social pressure on companies, organizations around the world to participate and to show that they care. And even if they don't have any dog in that hunt, per se. So like Yankee Candle, I think they have stores, so sure they can close those stores, but they right. do probably most of their business online, right? Yeah. So it really doesn't interrupt their operations too much. And there are a lot of companies that are still doing a lot of business online, but they're still sending out all these emails, flooding our inboxes with quite honestly is the same template. I, like they almost look at the same template. Here's what we're doing. We're washing our hands. We're disinfecting. You know, we're sending employees home. We're shutting down our operations. Because they want to, they want to be in on the overreaction. They they want to be perceived as as cooperative, and so they don't want negative press. So in other words, they don't want to be that company that didn't respond well and things went south. I guess, and and yet a non-response doesn't necessarily paint a, a company in a negative light. Here's the thing: tons of people are now doing shopping online, trying to get everything they need. They they think they need to protect themselves going through this process. Here's another thing I don't get. The toilet paper. Oh, I can explain that. I, I don't I don't get it. I mean, I think what it shows is we are not very resourceful in our culture. Yeah. We are so like built on convenience that we can't figure it out. You know what it is? Um, and, and I can explain it. 
but it's simply this irrationality. We are irrational, rational creatures. <laughs> You know, and the, the, honestly, I think it's what is, hey, it's, it's, it's a crowd mob mentality. I guess. I think when people see in the news and the, the fire is being stoked by the media, which, by the way, I will say there is something there. There is this constant, constant, you know, overemphasis on all the media outlets on how mm-hmm. awful things are. Mm-hmm. So that's going to instigate panic. So people, when they get panicked, they don't know what to do and they want to exercise a degree of control over what they can control. And what they can control is how many rolls of toilet paper they have in their house, how many bottles, you know, of hand sanitizer sanitizer they have and how much ammo they have for their guns. Do you hear about the guys in Kentucky, by the way, who bought a ton of hand sanitizer and then went and tried to sell it? It's pathetic. Price gouging. And they got they got. They got exposed. <laughs> and and so the reality is that every everyone comes out of the woodwork here to to either manipulate or to seize an opportunity to 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 steal from other people. And part of this stealing is stealing people's comfort and security. And here's the deal. If I'm a toilet paper manufacturer, I'm a hand sanitized producer, you know, I, I make ammo. You bet I'm in. I, I'm, I'm totally supportive of this panic because it drives business. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not going to speculate and, and again, fall into my cynical personality that <laughs> that this is being driven by consumerism. But but that panic is being driven, I think, by certain um, individuals and organizations out there that want this to drive business. But also it's driven by our own mob mentality that when I see my neighbor running down the aisles trying to get the last roll of toilet paper, what am I going to do? I, I think in my mind, wow, I guess I should get some. I had better get some quickly, too, because this is going to run out. It's, it's just I've experienced this so many times in my life. If there's a run on anything, like, for example, Ben, we've talked about this on, the, on this podcast. We wanted to do this great test between Popeye's chicken sandwich and Chick-fil-A <laughs> chicken sandwich. Yeah. And there was this really crazy run on the Popeye's chicken sandwich a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And it was irrational, but it was all driven by probably by Popeye's, you know, first of all, they wanted you to, to, to run on their sandwiches yeah. so they could sell more. But secondly, this perception that I'm missing out on something, everybody's going to get this chicken sandwich. I need to get a chicken. What sandwich. was our conclusion, by the way? What was your conclusion on the Chick-fil-A sandwich versus the Popeye's? You know, I don't I, I'm still working on it. We, we, we got I took my family out to get the sandwiches recently and I asked them and it was like two to three the vote. You know, Chick-fil-A versus Popeye's. I said, you know, I think I lean just a tiny bit towards Popeye's Mm. only because of the sauce they put on it. (laughs) I'm a sauce dude and I like the spicy sauce they put on the spicy one. So for me, that kind of, you know, put it at 51.49. But I would say this. I think the, the bottom line is I think this is being driven by different powers in the world. And one of them is external and one of them is internal. The internal one is this drive to not miss out. If my neighbors are running for certain supplies, then I feel like I need to do it too. So panic drives panic. So I I think it's irrational, but it's also a grab at trying to control things when I feel like I live in a world that is totally out of control. Well, and this is free of charge, but in case anybody's wondering, if you have running water and a towel, I think you could figure it out. Loofah. That's the thing, you right? You got a loofah? And, and yet we're like panicked about toilet paper. Right. Well, at least that's where it started. Now it's uh, you go to the stores and they're, all the eggs are gone, meat's gone, a lot of the supplies, beans, rice. Medicine. Cereals. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, people are, are definitely acting like it's the end of the world coming or, or they need yeah. to hunker down for much longer than two weeks. But I get it. It makes a, a total 
it makes total sense in a way that that this has to happen like this for people to be prepared. I just uh, we we think very illogically sometimes when we mm-hmm. when we get into a state of fear and and when there's a lot of concern going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's an interesting time to be thinking and talking about this. And so here's what I want to do. I want to bring color, a little bit of color to my uh, skepticism or okay. my not getting it. The numbers as they are currently. And so this is actually from John Hopkins University. So there, in case anybody's wondering, they know what they're talking about. So global status of coronavirus right now is 205,366 cases. Active cases are 114, 157. Recovered cases are 82,958. And the total fatalities around the globe from coronavirus is 8,251. Which is no small thing, but you're saying in the grand scheme, compared to like the, the normal flu virus, is still way less. Well, right? I'm, no, I'm no math major and I can't do math quickly, but if you... I think there's what seven billion people on the planet, or something like that, and eight thousand have died. Run the numbers, like look at it, and it is yeah. so small actually in comparison to the reaction. It seems like that we're having to this. Mm-hmm. I get because of the contagious nature of it. United States has uh, six thousand five hundred and thirty nine cases. Mm-hmm. Which, again, with a, uh, a country of, what, 350 million people, yeah. doesn't feel like an awful lot. So I, I, I get that. I'm going to present a counterpoint to this, though, sure. only because I think it's helpful for our listeners who maybe feel this tension themselves. Um, I think you're right. I think I've had my moments where I've been like, you know, this is this is way blown out of control. I feel like I'm being manipulated. I feel like the media is driving this. I feel like consumerism and fear is driving this. But at the same time, this feels different. This just why is this one different than all the others? And so I will say I I don't know the answer to that, except for one big thing that is being broadcast again and again and again in the media, which might give us a clue, which is this whole talk about what's called flattening the curve. Sure. The the nature of this virus, the coronavirus, the covid-19 is that it um, it can sit in your body undetected for 14 days. And so you could pass it on to somebody without any symptoms, asymptomatically, which which presents a problem because it passes very easily and quickly to others. And if you're in a room with other people, I think I read this, that if you sneeze, the droplets go like nine feet and they settle. And so you could spread this very quickly. So I think the nature you ever of seen this me sneeze goes 90 feet probably does. I have seen you sneeze. <laughs> it's violent. And I've had to take a shower afterwards, <laughs> but it is violent. The. The, the, the reality is that this is a very um, quickly moving, contagious virus that can spread so quickly that it could quickly overload the health system. So I do have some insight on this only because I'm married to a nurse who works in the hospital on a weekly basis, who's one of the few people that can't stay home. You know, a lot of medical professionals who are the heroes right now are the ones who have to keep working. They got to go to work because they're the heroes on the front lines. And and, and what's happening is um, they have said that if this contagiously spreads at the rate it has been, it would overload all the health care facilities 
in the nation to where they couldn't provide care to those who needed the most. And it would be the most vulnerable, yeah. specifically older folks and those with compromised immune systems. So we need to quote unquote, flatten the curve, mm-hmm. dole it out, bring it down so that it's not like fewer people get sick, but it spreads it out over a longer period of time. Right. That's the thinking behind this sure. is that we don't need a spike. The spike would overload the system and it would, it would just cause so much damage to the country. Um, some of that damage is already done. The reality is they see what's happening, what's happening in the financial markets, what's happening with businesses and small business, you know, expressly is that um, they say there could be ultimately 20% unemployment if government doesn't step in and quote overreact. Yeah. So the ripple effect of the decisions that have been made, like I don't, I'm not a cold hearted snake. Okay. So I, I sit here and I know that there are Last I looked at the statistics, I think there was, I think there was one child under the age of ten that had died from it. Mm-hmm. It obviously affects a very specific demographic more severely than others. If you have an older family member whose immune system is compromised or has health issues, they're in they're in danger mm-hmm. of having something very uh, difficult or bad happen if they catch coronavirus. So I get all that. I have I have empathy for it. And all of that, but the decisions that have been made, like yeah. the massive mm-hmm. government, political, societal decisions that have come down have put us in a place now, the ripple effect out to our economic system, to employment, to education, to healthcare. Like it's, and granted, like what you said mm-hmm. about healthcare, like that's legit. Mm-hmm. We have to make sure that we don't overrun our healthcare systems. But we don't know what the end result's going to look like for our economy. I mean, the markets have already imploded. People are freaking out about their portfolios. Mm-hmm. And how does this recover? And and how long does that take? Or what does it look like? Or will it? They're just it. It throws yeah. all these conversations and questions up in the air yeah. that spark fear in people. Yeah. Because when you start attacking, in a sense, people's individuality their safety and their money, you got a big problem on your hands. Yeah, you do have to ask the question. And to your point, I have to agree that um, it raises questions about what's the fallout going to be. And I think that if you ask the average person, and I've seen news stories about this, they would say, you know what? I'm probably less afraid of getting the virus than I am of losing my business. (laughs) And I'm more afraid now of having to, to, to lose my company or fire employees or not have a paycheck for months. Or have That's, a retirement. Or have that a retirement. Is as substantial yeah. as I thought it was going it's to be. It's more scary to me, the financial fallout as a result of this. When, you're, when your country comes to a screeching halt, that there is some grave concern that the fallout could be like worse than would have happened if we just let this play out. Mm. You know, and some people would say, well, gosh, when it comes to getting sick and viruses and bacteria, it's like just get sick and get it over with and let's move on. So I get all that. I, the, the, the healthcare system is the biggest concern. And that's the reason I've heard we need to blunt, you know, this, this impact, but there is some great concern about the ultimate fallout financially, the ultimate fallout on business. They talk about the airline industry, the cruise ship industry getting bailouts. Well, are are small businesses going to get bailouts? No. You know, Mm -hmm. here's the thing. All these companies are, are paying their furloughed employees, even hourly employees and trying to do the right thing. 
but what are the profit margins going to be at the end of this? Gosh. And, and, and how many employees are going to have to fire to when, when, when profits drop off into the red? Mm-hmm. So there is a lot of concern, like maybe we'll get through the next few weeks or the next few months. But after that, who's to say these companies don't let go half of their workforce because the business is gone and they've sunk so deep into the margins that they, they can't recover unless they fire half their people. Yeah. So I just, it is a real concern. And so Ben, this is why we need to ask these questions here. This is why growth junkies, we want to be a place where we can be honest about it and work through and struggle and wrestle with some real concerns about what's happening in our society because of the coronavirus. Yeah, and at the center of being a growth junkie, as Kent and I have described in previous episodes, and we describe in the four dimensions of human health, we are all about really two things, learning how to think about life and how to process life out loud. Right, We give space for that to happen. And there's a lot of questions that come to the surface about how you think about life in a time like this. Mm-hmm. Your level of fear, your level of anxiety, your stress levels, all the things that go on. And, and granted, I get that people are in different places in life and have, have different challenges. But how we begin to think about life itself and what is true and real and not real and what we put our trust and our hope in all those things become opportunities for discussion in times like this for us. And we were discussing in the car on the way here. I said, okay, so let's take the approach that God's not real and that the world is, our world is a cosmic accident. And the way this whole thing has happened is purely evolution, Darwinism, and all that's real. Okay, so some of you might believe, well, that's absolutely real because you learned it in college and university. Here's the thing about evolution. It's a theory. It's not fact. And, but let's say that it's real today and that it's all happened this way. Well, if that's the case, then why are we so concerned about coronavirus? Because really what it's doing is it's just evolution playing itself out. It's survival of the fittest, right? Those who are not healthy enough to withstand the impact of this disease or illness on their body will die. And we should be okay with that, right? Because it's just cleaning the slate is all it's doing. And we should be very unemotional about it and not super concerned for our loved ones and anything. We, why should we stop doing what we're doing? Yep. Because it's just playing itself out. Now, if, if evolution's true and, and that's real, then we should not be concerned. Other than there's this conversation, well, the social contract would make us concerned, like because we've all decided that we should have some empathy or we should whatever. Well, I haven't seen the social contract, nor have I signed it. And there's plenty of people that live life with zero empathy and don't give a rip. So if that's present and real, then this social contract isn't real. Yeah. So I, I know I bring that up and it can sound very intense and a bit confrontational in the way I discussed it. But we often don't deal rightly with how the ramifications logically of the way we think about things or the stuff we've chosen to believe or accept. Right. What would you add to that or say about that, Ken? Well, I think, Ben, what you're raising, one of the big questions we want to talk about, you know, in this podcast and maybe in the next few ones, um, the one's worldview or philosophy of life matters. And one of the reasons I think maybe, you know, Ben, you could have you know, the view you have on this coronavirus is because you would call yourself a Jesus follower. You be, you have a theistic view of life. 
So you believe that there is a God who is in complete control of things and knows the future. So that puts you at ease. And yes. so you can ask the question, well, what's, what's so scary about all that's going on if we know that there's someone who knows more than we do, who's in control of everything, and we know things are going to work out for the best. So that puts you at ease. Put yourself in the shoes of somebody maybe that doesn't have that theistic view. Right. Who maybe is the one you're describing who... Uh, maybe has an, an atheistic or an agnostic view of things and 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 lives more by the quote unquote social contract you're describing. What is to what do they hold on to in times like these? Like what well, drives your, your them? view? Your evolutionary view is not working for you right now. Well, it, it may be. I mean, on one hand, um, it might be working because. You know, you have to ask yourself the question, why am I so bothered by what's happening? Well, here's the thing. If you care at a level for people to be safe and get well, like it's not congruent with the logic of evolution. No, it's not. It's not because realistically there's two responses. If, if you do embrace an atheistic view or atheistic view and there is no creator or higher power behind everything, then we live in what's called a deterministic world. Right. In which everything um, accidentally sort of com comes to pass over, the, over time. And no one's behind the wheel, so to speak, of the world. So if that's the case, then everything um, is about survival of the fittest. And the reality, what you're pointing out mm -hmm. is if that is your worldview, then this shouldn't bother you that much. Because quite honestly, this is kind of like kind of like lightning hitting a forest when lightning strikes in a forest and the forest catches on fire, trees burn down. And that's part of the natural way that the right. forest reproduces. Exactly. And then new seeds grow and new trees grow. And that's all natural. Well, this is kind of like that. What if this is one of the ways the human race is sort of purifying itself? And that would be one place to go. And you have to ask yourself, well, why am I so bothered about what's happening in my society if my worldview is that? And it's a fair question. It's a really fair question. Sure. I, for one, share Ben's worldview. You know, I believe <clears throat> that there is a God and I believe he's in control and it puts me at ease. But I think if I lived in a world in which there is no one behind the wheel, then I would either have to embrace a deterministic view of things and say, you know what, if this means the death of so many people, then... It's cold and it's sad, but that may be part of just the progress of civilization. Um, on the other hand, I think. On the other hand, I think if. If I held that worldview, I'd be terrified, genuinely terrified of where things are going, terrified of a world without a creator, that things are spinning out of control. And this is just the first of many things. Exactly. So I think on some hand, I could also be even worse because I'm more freaked out because if this is happening, well, what if. What else is going to happen? What other things are going to spin out of control? Maybe the world is really ending. Maybe we're going to burn out here. Like maybe there's going to be this cosmic crash. And so I start to really be upset. So on, on one hand, I could be like cold hearted and cynical and say this is just part of the way things need to be. On the other hand, I could be freaked out and think this is the way things are going right. and it's going to get worse. Either way, it's bad. Either way, that's not a good response. Either way, it doesn't explain why we should be so concerned about the common good and fellow man. It, just does no, it doesn't do any good for that. If you are atheistic and you don't believe in a cosmic creator that has everything in his hands and controls everything and sees it through, then your only two possible really rational places to go is to be detached from what's happening mm -hmm. and not care. Sure or to be overly freaked out and to completely become paranoid and go and hide under a rock. But that's, that's not where we should be. And I think that 
maybe this is where a theistic view of things has something to offer. Well, it certainly surfaces the question of, of authority or something bigger. It just brings to light a lot of things that we wouldn't necessarily discuss. And I think we'll, we'll probably frame this for the next episode when we focus on the impact on the individual and fear itself and, and how this, uh, how we begin to en- encounter it as people mm-hmm. individually in life, because that is, that is ultimately where it shows up for us is the, the discussions we're having with ourselves, how we're executing life, how our live, our, our lives are moving forward around us on a daily basis and the rhythms that we have and how that gets messed with. And ultimately what that causes people to do and begin thinking about. And we were having a discussion that I think is probably appropriate for the next episode about what, what happens when we come out the other side of this? What's it going to look like? Mm -hmm. What can we potentially learn? Yeah. And And, so we'll save that for the next. And we will explore that. I think for today's episode, what we want to say is we wanted to dig into this a little bit, ask some questions, kind of, kind of stir the waters, get the create the juices flowing, so to speak, to get you thinking about um, deeper things. You know, something like the coronavirus forces us all uh, to really go back to the drawing board and ask ourselves, what do we believe about the things we believe? And do we live in a world in which there is a creator or there isn't? And what is perhaps the greater purpose of something like the coronavirus? And how does it play into that plan if there is one? So I, I will say this. I would propose that a theistic view of things is critical if you want to make sense of all that. Without a theistic view of the world, it's very difficult to make any sense of any of this. It's very hard to, to find yourself in a place of peace and comfort and hope and expectation without a theistic view of the world. So in the next episode, we're going to talk about that. I want to ask some questions. We're going to ask some questions about what does it look like to have a theistic view and why does it matter? And how does it affect our view of a pandemic like the coronavirus Mm. and help us to maybe cope with the here and now, but also look into the future and talk about where things are going and what we can perceive will come from this. So that's it for this episode. Hopefully this kind of gets us going. We're going to revisit this in the next episode. We hope you'll join us, Growth Junkies, on the next episode of the Growth Junkies podcast. We'll see you next time.